What's up, guys? How are we? Welcome to a beautiful shit show podcast where we unpack the chaos and beauty that is the human experience. My name is Elizabeth Haney, aka Biz, and I am your host. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. I'm so very happy you are here. If you'd like to learn a little more about myself and this podcast and what to expect, you can tune into the very first episode, which was posted on July 7th. It's called Welcome to a Beautiful Shit Show. And I give you a little rundown on what we're doing here. So this is episode number five, my second solo mini-sode, where I share personal life stories and lessons that I've learned so far in this experience we are all in together. I will be doing these one to two times a month, um, depending on how many guests I have on the show, but expect this at least once a month, most likely twice. So anyways, last solo episode I did, I spoke on a massive wake-up call that I had earlier this year. I had just realized that I was putting almost all of my happiness into the hands of the status of my romantic relationships, and this was a big wake-up call for me, and it led to even further self-realizations, a lot of which I'm still unpacking and figuring out myself and with the help of my therapist, and would like to wait until I have a little more of an understanding before I dive into them, but... There is one thing that I am so happy to say that I have finally figured out. Crack the case, if you will. This has been something I have been struggling with for almost a decade. And I can truthfully say to not only you guys, but most importantly myself, that I am free of the prison that was probably the biggest struggle of mine across the board. So today, we're going to talk about alcohol. And how that incredibly fun, but mostly vicious liquid has been the root of 97% of the poor choices that I have made in my life. So I started drinking when I was 16. I so very vividly remember the first time that I got drunk. I was at my friend's house. Her parents were out of town. Her older brother, who was 21, I believe, was having people over to watch the Steelers game. They're big Steelers family amazing family had so many wonderful memories with them and in that house if you're listening I know that you know I'm talking about you guys and I hope all of you are well but yeah parents were out of town and we took advantage of this and this is my first time drinking anything I had maybe taken a sip of wine from my mom's glass or my sip of beer from my dad but other than that like nothing she was like yeah my parents aren't here my brother's having a party let's get fucked up and i'm like yeah okay do it you know and i'm so nervous but i'm excited also and we got wasted off of a tray of jello shots and also a bottle of sky vodka i had taken this massive plastic cup that was at least a quart had filled it halfway full of room temperature sky vodka and the rest with room temperature Sprite, <laughs> no ice. <laughs> and I just drank that entire cup. And I remember thinking, this is disgusting. This is the worst thing that I've ever had. Why are we doing this? But I'm not gonna say anything to anyone. I'm 16, surrounded by these 21 year old guys who I thought were so old and and cool, right? I just wanted to fit in with everyone. So we got hammered so 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 drunk was throwing up by the end of the night throwing up into the next morning but we had a blast it was just a group of of kids basically just having the time of their lives and i loved it and it just ignited this spark in me and from then on out elizabeth camille haney was down to 
party. <laughs> if you knew me from the ages of 16 to 22, you know how much of a shit show I was. And I surrounded myself with people who were in the same headspace as me. The parties in high school, okay, I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico during high school. They were endless. There was not a short supply of parties. And if by chance we couldn't find one to go to, we would just take a fifth of UV blue vodka. Do you guys remember that? I don't even know if they still make that. And we would pass it around at Manal Park or on the playground at S.Y. Jackson, which was an elementary school. So that's great. And then in the college, when I lived in the dorms at University of New Mexico, that added another layer of opportunities for complete debauchery. And then I moved when I was 20 back to North Carolina. I moved to Wilmington, which is a notorious drinking beach town. And this is what we did. From the time I moved out of my mom's and until I was 22 years old, I was getting drunk. No bullshit. Four to six nights a week. And in all honesty, truthfully, I can say this with every ounce of my being It was some of the best times of my life. It was just an innocent and carefree time. Our bills and responsibilities were almost non-existent. And we just lived for taking shots and ordering pitchers of beer after work and just being with our friends. And that is what we did. That is how we connected was through alcohol. Now, this behavior was almost seemingly consequence-free until I was 22 years old when... One morning, my body and mind shut the fuck down and was basically screaming at me, begging, just being like, why do you keep doing this to us? I would have hangovers, but they would be fixed with a large blue Gatorade and a Bojangles order, which if you don't know what Bojangles is, it's this fried chicken place down in the South. I miss it every single day, (laughs) but I would get a Cajun chicken biscuit and Cajun fries and a large sweet tea, and then my day would be fine. And then I would, you know, maybe have another snack and then repeat my drinking activities later on that night with my friends, which I would find a party to go to or go to a bar and, you know, and this is what we did. But like I said, my mind and body had had it. I mean, I had been drinking excessively had absolutely been abusing alcohol for six years at that point. And I didn't even consider that maybe this was bad for me. (laughs) I knew it wasn't great, but I didn't think it would affect me because of my age. My mindset was, we are very young. We're supposed to be drinking like this. This is how we're supposed to be living. We'll only be young once. YOLO, right? Like I'm with my friends. We're throwing parties, having keggers, taking shots, doing all the things. And it's okay because I'm a teenager, because I just turned 21, because I'm 22. But it had been six years of this and my mind and body woke up one morning and we're just like, nah, we are done. You have to stop. And I actually ended up in the hospital. I will save that story for another time. That's a whole other thing that I will speak on. I have spoke on before in the past. But we'll save that for a further episode. But just to brief you a little bit, my mental health took a drastic turn. And I went from being carefree and happy and fun to the most anxious and miserable person on this planet. And I was forced to deal with it. I 
slowed down on the drinking quite a bit, did not give it up entirely, but went through a pretty serious physical and mental health rebirth moment. I got my 200 hour certification as a yoga instructor. I was sober during that entire time and felt the best that I ever had, you know, in my life. Was in really great shape, eating a vegan diet, doing all of the things, right? But I was also incredibly lonely during that time because all of my friends that I was aware of weren't having issues like I was mentally. And if they were, they hid it and and didn't talk about it. But the partying continued without me. It's not that I lost my friends. It's not like they didn't speak to me. But I, I had to choose to not go out, to not go to the party, to not go to the bar. And the activities outside of this, I was basically by myself. I It was at that point almost impossible to get anyone to do anything with me that didn't involve drinking and i for all of my friends that are listening this is not a guilt trip (laughs) but everyone else was still in that phase in their life because it hadn't affected them and they were still having fun which is fine which is fine they were happy and paying their bills and still drinking and they're in college and getting a degree and they were good they were handling it but me i left try well tried to leave the party scene way before anyone else did. And my exit from this lifestyle and this culture of drinking and doing drugs and just nonstop party did not last. I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. I wanted to do other things, but I didn't know where to find people who also wanted to do other things with me. And I just fell into this cycle of not drinking for one or two weeks and taking care of myself and reading and writing and eating healthy and riding my bike and going on runs and whatever and then getting really fucking lonely and being like, well, I want to go out and do stuff with my friends and what are we doing? We're going to Ma for dollar drinks on Tuesday. That's what we're doing and repeat, right? And then I would wake up the next morning and I'd feel anxious as fuck I would have a panic attack, I'd feel miserable, I'd hate myself for drinking in the way that I did because I wouldn't have just one or two drinks. It was a fucking marathon. It was start drinking at four and we did not end until the birds were chirping the next morning. So again, just alcohol abuse on loop over and over and over. And it wasn't until I moved to New York that my drinking habits calmed down, but I didn't move here until I was 26. So it was four years of this yo-yo of not wanting to live this life and wanting to be better for myself, but not wanting to give up my friends and the community that we had built around drinking and doing drugs. And the latter was much stronger than my desire to live a healthy life and to actually go after my dreams. So I make it to New York City and I'd like to tell you that my days of getting obliterated and blacking out were behind me. But that is unfortunately not the case. Now, I can count on two hands how many times I've gotten completely fucked up here, which is a lot for me to say, considering I've been here for almost five years. So progress has been made. I'm going to acknowledge that progress, and I'm going to be proud of myself for that. And becoming a mother, obviously, 
has forced me to get it together. You know, obviously did not drink when I was pregnant and I did not drink at all for quite a while after he was born, did not have a sip of nothing, didn't touch anything. But if I'm being completely honest and transparent with you guys, because I told you that I would be, that being vulnerable and honest is very important to me on this platform. There have been a few times after his birth that I have gotten absolutely obliterated. Honestly, some of the drunkest that I have ever been in my life. And this is where the realization, the connection that I have recently made comes in. So in my last solo episode, I spoke about how I have just recently, January of this year, had the realization that I had been allowing the status of my romantic relationships to dictate how I felt about my entire life. My happiness depended on this, okay? And once I came to that realization and realized that there are a million other things in this life to do outside of having a romantic partner, everything started to shift. I was able to see life in a different light, which is waking up in the morning and I felt like I had this ray of light just emitting from my body. You know, I was just like staring out my window at this massive, beautiful tree I have in the back of my building and looking at the sky and just being like, holy shit, this is incredible. This life, this experience that we get to have. I was a changed person after coming to this realization and then followed more self-realizations from this. Now, once I had arrived in this headspace and I had this mindset shift, I noticed that my desire to drink was gone. Like there was not even a thought of maybe that this would be something that I wanted to do which was new for me because like I said before, I have been battling myself in drinking since I was 22. Didn't want to do it anymore, but still did because I wanted to be with friends. I wanted to be with people. And I started to think about this. I'm like, what changed? Because before I would say to myself, yes, I don't want to drink. I don't want to do this anymore. But... I'm not going to say no, never, because I might still want to one day. Like maybe it will still be fine. And maybe next week I'll be feeling better about it. And maybe in a few days I will go back to the 21-year-old biz who is still fine with drinking like this. And I, you know, right? Okay, I would have these, I would go like these back and forth thoughts. Like, no, I don't want to do it, but maybe I still do. But now that voice that was battling me, that was arguing with me was gone. It had just left. I was like, wow, what happened? What, what shifted? So I'm starting to think about it. And I'm like, okay, I've been relying on the attention from men and boys to make me feel happy. Okay. Right. Connection, people, love. I was drinking because I wanted to feel connection and love from my friends. But I'm now realizing that there are a million other things to do outside of this And I put two and two together. I realized that in my brain, alcohol meant friends. Alcohol meant potential relationship with new cute boy in the bar. Alcohol meant community. Alcohol meant crazy times and crazy stories with my massive group of friends that I had in Wilmington, North Carolina and in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And without alcohol, Elizabeth Haney would be by herself and she would have no one and live a miserable and sad life. 
that is what that meant. <laughs> so earlier I said that there have been a handful of times after having my son that I have gotten completely shit-faced and let me dive into that a little bit. So my son was born November 2019, okay? This was four months before the pandemic, before the world shut down. And during my pregnancy and after having him and then followed immediately with the pandemic, it was a completely isolating time. I barely had any friends, didn't even really had a chance to make friends because I got pregnant seven months after I moved here. I will talk about that another time. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm pregnant, so I'm obviously not drinking and I'm working all the time. I'm working two jobs to try and save enough money for this baby and he's born and I'm breastfeeding, so I still can't drink. And then the pandemic and the world shuts down. So any chance I had to make friends was completely gone. Okay. So it was incredibly isolating, just so fucking lonely wasn't thinking about drinking, didn't want to drink, wasn't sitting there and be like, oh, fuck, like, I really wish I could go out and get an old fashioned right now or go get a pitcher of beer. Like, I wasn't craving alcohol. I was just desperate for human connection, desperate for it. So the moment it was available to me, I remember the first time I got very drunk after having my son, it was August of 2020 in New York they were allowing people to drink in public. They would serve to go drinks out of bars. You couldn't go in them, but you could get a drink to go from the bar window. And then there would be hundreds of people just wandering around the street. It made no sense. It was fun. It kind of felt like we were in like a little, you know, music festival in Astoria, Queens, just walking down the street that was blocked off. But anyways, it was my first time out with people since I had gotten pregnant. So I went fucking nuts. I went crazy. I'm like, oh my God, I'm around people again. I'm, yes, amazing. We're having drinks. We're taking shots. Great. Sebastian is safe at home with his dad. First day out with friends in a year and a half. And I got fucked up. So fucked up. Because like I said, in my mind, alcohol meant friends and people and connection. And in order to have friends and connection, like those two went together, Okay. So fast forward to when my son's father and I split up. This was March of 2022. I moved into a little one-bedroom apartment for Sebastian and I to live in, and I entered into the world of co-parenting. So Sebastian was with me three to four days a week. We alternated every week. One week is with me three, one week is with me four, and vice versa. And it was hands down the most difficult and painful time of my life. I was grieving the loss of the life that I thought that I would have of the traditional family unit that I had been after. And most importantly, was grieving the fact that I was going to be without my son half of the time. This was just so incredibly painful. I still have moments where it just hits me like a sack of bricks just out of nowhere. I've been able to move through that pain really well, but there are moments where it's just so fucking hard. Anyone who is co-parenting knows this. It's really fucking difficult to be away from your kids. It really is. Um, but it's unfortunately for the better. But anyways, I found myself somehow lonelier than I was before. I was working two jobs. I didn't have time to really go out with friends and was just trying to survive. And then on the days that Bash was with me, we were playing and doing two-year-old things, and so I'm obviously not drinking then, but during this time is when my drinking started to get a little bit out of control. Again, wasn't craving alcohol. I, I am happy to say that I've never craved it. I've never felt like I needed it. 
I haven't ever gone on a bender and then woke up one morning and been like, oh fuck, I just really need a beer because my body just really needs it. I am grateful for that. I I know that I am blessed in that sense. Again, I only ever drank because I wanted to be around people, right? And I wanted that connection. So I move out, I'm alone half the time. I'm in this one bedroom apartment, just me, my son's across Queens with his dad and I'm fucking miserable. I'm the saddest that I've ever been. And there were a few times where I'd be laying in bed trying to go to sleep and I'm just overcome with this loneliness that I would get out of bed and I would, it would be early. It'd be like 8.30. I'm like, just go to sleep, get up early and do good things. But I would get out of bed and walk to a neighborhood bar and sit there by myself, hoping that I would meet someone like not a man, like it wasn't going out looking for a guy, but just anyone, just a person to to talk to. I just wanted to make friends. I needed somebody. I was just so alone here. And, but I would sit there and I'd get hammered. So this only happened two or three times. The level of hangover would prevent me from doing this often, but it was excessive. I had fallen back into the person that I was when I was 21 and would just drink and drink and drink and drink and drinking in New York's fucking expensive. I didn't have the money for that, right? But I was able to get it together pretty quickly. Like I said, this only happened two to three times where I would go to the bar and be that sad, lonely, miserable person alone drinking 400 Guinnesses and shots of Jameson by herself and maybe talking to someone if they wanted <laughs> at the bar. I knew that if I let myself fall, that I was going to fall into the most depressive state I'd ever been in in my life because I was already so sad with everything going on that I needed to take care of myself for my son and for me. So I actually went into a pretty intense self-care mode where I was doing 75 hard again. I was reading a lot, writing, journaling, doing anything and everything that I could, right? Getting up early and trying to go to bed early and all the things. At the time I was working two jobs. I was working 50 hours in three days. I would work three doubles in a row. So I didn't have to work at all on the days that my son were with me. And, you know, I wasn't being supported in any way financially. So I had to take care of myself. And, um, but you know, I was doing fine and I was making it work, but it was a lot. It was kind of killing my body and my brain to be working that much in such a short amount of time and being on my feet the entire time. But anyways, I was, um, I was offered a job at Vinyl Steakhouse, which is where I am now. I'm a bartender, server, manager when they need. I'm one of the sommeliers there. I do accounting work in the morning. I'm just, that, that is my job. That is where I am. It's the best job I've ever had, best people I've ever worked for in my life. Very happy there. But I would like to share a story with you guys about something that happened three days after I was hired. I was there for all of 72 hours and, um, had a very bad drunk moment that uh, affected one of my dear friends, Chase, who who I actually interviewed, who's going to be the guest on next week's episode. And we talked about the story. And so I'm just going to insert a little clip from that episode because I think it would be helpful for you guys to get a visual of how fucking drunk I could get. And how my drinking habits have fucked me over. So here's a little clip from next week's episode just to give you guys an idea. So for context, it was business third day. <laughs> I, had been, I had been employed for 72 hours. <laughs> and we were doing we were doing the post-shift thing, right? We were all having drinks and I was closing up and I was also 
drinking uh, heavily, but I also know myself, so I went downstairs, I grabbed my backpack, and I brought it upstairs. I then was kind of chatting. Everybody was sitting up at the bar, and I was, like, standing behind the bar. I set the backpack on top of the bar, um, and to my dismay, in front of Elizabeth. <laughs> and, and I then turned to the person that's sitting at the end of the bar. I'm not directly looking at my backpack, but drunk enough to not see it in my peripheral. Um, Biz is blackout. <laughs> I, let me just clarify. I, this was one of the drunkest I have ever been in my life, which is saying a lot because if you know me, if you've known me anywhere between 16 to 26 years old, you know how absolutely shit-faced I can get. And this was just, oh, yes, it was just on a whole other level. But I I think I want to do a little time jump. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to me driving to Maine. Okay. Is my first time going up to Maine with my partner Kyle and his uh, school friends, but it's a eight-hour drive. So we're in the car, and I'm like, I can't. I, I since the night before, I hadn't been able to find my backpack, and I knew I brought it upstairs. I knew I had set it on the bar. I knew that it was there, and it just. I I had spent. Everybody had gone, and I had spent. Like, before I even locked up, I'm like, I have my backpack. And Kyle's just like, we, it's late. Like, we got we got to go home. Like, we'll text people in the morning. We'll see if they can look around. And the lights were off, and I was too drunk to turn them all back on. <laughs> and so we were just like, fine. I mean, luckily, I didn't need my any of the contents in it, except give or take a couple. So I'm texting back and forth. So I texted Biz and I was like, do you know what happened to my backpack last night? And she goes, mm, fucking beats me. Like <laughs> just truly just didn't know. And I go, I don't know. Like Biz, I think, so. I don't know what happened. So, uh, Cause you I, were like, do you, cause we had the same exact backpack. We did. Almost exactly the same. So you were like, did you accidentally take mine? And I was like, did you actually, yeah. Did you actually take mine? And I, I get up. And I look and I'm like, no, this is, it's mine. It's my stuff. Yes. And I'm like, did I accidentally take it? I'm looking around my apartment. Cannot find. I'm like, I, I swear it's not here. You know, a very small place. I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's here. You even sent me a picture of the backpack that you have. And I'm like, oh, that does look a lot like my backpack. But it's not. That one's not mine. I knew it wasn't. And then Kevin and Sophia, the owners of the restaurant, were sending me a text. I'm like, oh, we think Biz took it. Uh, and I go, what do you mean? They go, we have video. <laughs> we have security footage. <laughs> and to this day, on my phone, oh, it's one of my favorite videos <laughs> in the world. It's one of my favorite videos that I own and possess. Um, and it is, of the night, I'm talking just like I had set up before, and this in in her very lovely state, decides that she's gonna go home. So she backs out of the chair. She she grabs my backpack from on top of the bar, stands away from the bar, swings it over her back. <laughs> and in that, the momentum makes her stumble back. And then she gets a view of her backpack <laughs> on the back of the, the stool she was sitting in. She goes, oh, 
my backpack. <laughs> she grabs that, swings it over my backpack, and carries both out to the street and calls an Uber. But, I mean, we don't know what happened. I mean, th- th- you had to have left it in the Uber. Had to. Had to have. But this is the moment where I send the, I send this video to Biz and she goes, oh my God. I, <laughs> did you think, what did you, what was going through your head? I, for, well, first of all, I woke up so fucking hungover and like mm. the state of my apartment, <laughs> like I had, I was, when you had texted me where you called me and you're like, hey, do you have the backpack? I'm like, no, it's not here, but let me look around. So I, I that's my first time getting out of bed and I, first of all, <laughs> I had to pay, like, play context clues with myself. I was playing detective. I'm like, what the fuck happened? I had... Oh, Jesus Christ. It's not it's one, not one of my finer moments. It's, it's, it's not, not fun, but, like, that's fun. the thing, though. But I had... I have one AC unit, a floor unit, that I roll back and forth between the living room and my bedroom. And I had, had it in the living room before I left for work, so I had ripped it out of the window. I had broken it, and I'm pretty sure I had... <laughs> Pretty sure I had rolled it over my foot because my big toe was heavily bruised and had been bleeding. I'm like, great. And there was a trail, a trail of halal rice. (laughs) Halal rice from my front door. (laughs) You know this from my front door to my bed, which means I was eating it with my fucking hands. Just like drunk, well, just like shit face, just eating this food. Are you sure it wasn't like so you could find your way out of the woods? <laughs> <laughs> this is how we get out yeah, into the bathroom. Like, and yeah, so I'm just like seeing this destruction and I'm like, oh my God, because I had not been that drunk. In, it's not fun. It's not in so long. Like I didn't, you know, cause it's not something that I do anymore. Like I'm a mother now. Uh-huh. Like I'm not down yeah. for getting let that way. And, you know, take full responsibility for it, of course. But, but like, we, we were just, we were having a good time. We were having but, a great time. And yeah. I don't, I don't regret it for the world. But I know that, that post-drunk, post-drinking shame. I was shame, like, I just got this fun. new fucking job. These brand new people. They have no idea who I am. I just stole someone's backpack <laughs> and their laptop was in it. But yeah, my laptop. So, so she, then she's like, <laughs> immediately, as soon as I send her the thing, she's like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. And then she asked me like how much was everything. And she like that day. I mean, you rectified everything that night. My favorite was your reaction to what certain meds uh, in the backpack uh, cost um, without insurance. And you're like two (laughs) thousand (laughs) dollars. I was like, make a list of everything that was in it, like every single thing. Like tell me you did, yeah, and it round up to seven hundred and seventy dollars. I will never forget it. Yeah, and it was that was without the medicine. That was without the meds, and I was like, no, just tell me how. Tell me the meds. I'm like, I have to pay for everything. I fucked up, Chase. I'm like, I'm not making you pay two thousand dollars, and you're like, Jesus (laughs) fucking Christ! (laughs) I know. It's exactly what I said. I was like, why? And then I just and then you started getting mad at the the furious with things. Pharma. Yeah, I, I was like, I hate the United States of healthcare. <laughs> so there's that fun little story, just to give you all an idea of how out of control I could get and how my drinking habits have cost me, and this time cost me almost a thousand dollars. Now, when I was sharing the story and had said that this was one of the drunkest I'd ever been, I mean it, and. This moment happened just three months after the split from my son's father. So 
this occurred during the loneliest and saddest phase of my life that I had ever had. And not to make excuses, again, I am taking, will always take full responsibility for my actions. And I recognize that that none of this was okay. It was not okay. Multiple shots and drinks, regardless, like it's what happened is still my fault, right? Even though I was under the influence of so much alcohol. (laughs) But this happened when I was in a really low place and I was desperate for human connection and friends. And I finally got it. I started this brand new job with these amazing people. I connected with almost the entire staff so quickly. It, it, it felt like I was home and I was so excited to be there and to have people and to be around people and to be a part of a community and be a part of something again. And like I had said before, in my mind, friendship and connection and community came with alcohol. Those two came together. So it was my third shift there. We had ourselves a night, you know, everyone was drinking or having a good time, but I took it to the next level as I always would, because I would just drink so much and would just be so excited. And yes, we're here with friends and yeah, let's do it. And, and it cost me. And Chase, again, I am so happy and grateful that you forgave me for that. I am so grateful that I was in a place to be able to handle that financially. That was a big cost. Still, you know, that still stung <laughs> for sure, having to hand over that much money. But I'm I'm very grateful and happy that I was able to do that for you. But, you know, that whole night, it just could have ended in a completely different way. I, I could have lost my job. Chase could have decided that I was not someone that he wanted in his life because that behavior is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um, you know, I come back to my apartment alone, absolutely hammered and and blackout. And I, you know, I wake up, I have no idea how I got there. Thank God I made it home. Thank God nothing happened, right? Like it's not safe. It's not good to be getting like this. So back to making the connection and having that self-realization and realizing that at the end of the day, whether it was I was reliant on attention and infection from men to make me feel happy and to make me feel good or relying on alcohol in order to have connection with my friends, both of these things were my attempt at just building connection, period. And I was accessing this connection in very toxic ways. Now, human connection is the most important thing in this life. The people in our life are are it, okay? That is it. The human connection, the friends that you make, your family, the love that you receive from multiple different sources, you know, again, love is not only romantic love. Please do not forget that. It, that that is what life is about, right? And so I'm not here to lecture anyone. I'm not here to preach to anybody. I'm not here to say, don't drink ever. Alcohol is only bad. And because I think going out and having a couple of drinks is fine, right? But there are a few things that I just, I just want to point out that I have realized for myself that maybe will get your brain working a little bit if you're dealing with similar struggles. Now, I would say 
that my level of drinking, it started off with just having fun, right? 16 years old, having a blast, loving it, every moment of it until I was 22. And I wanted to stop, but didn't, okay? Because I wanted that connection more than anything. I was not willing to give up this thing that was causing so much pain and destruction in my life because I wanted to keep my friends. I wanted that community. Then fast forward to feeling so sad and lonely and miserable after my split from my son's father and from losing that family unit. I was absolutely self-medicating, trying to connect with others, but also not wanting to think about my life. So If you find yourself drinking excessively, try and think about why, especially if this is not something that you want to do anymore. Like I said before, I'm not telling anyone not to drink. If if you're able to go out and get drunk and you're still safe and you, you make it home and you're not making poor choices and you're having fun and you're one of those people that doesn't get hangovers, what is up with that? why are there people like that? It's not fair. Uh, (laughs) um, Then fine, you know, like keep at it. But if you are like me and you did not want to anymore, but you still did, try and think about why you continued to make that choice. And the moment that I was able to realize that I was doing it because to me, alcohol meant connection and friends and I wouldn't have it without it just it just clicked with me. And it's just so insane to say because it's not something that I ever thought about because I had conditioned my brain to think this way. But once I made that connection, I was like, oh, I can still be here with my friends. I can still be here and not drink. And it's fine. Like, I'm still here with them. I'm not going to get kicked out. You know, if I'm not drinking, I'm not going to be forced to leave. I may not want to stick around, you know, because being sober around a bunch of drunk people isn't the most fun thing. It's not. But I was still there with them. And guess what? Now I'm actually there. I am fully there. I am present because I can remember my night. I can remember these moments in my life. There are so many black spaces in my past that I I just don't remember things because I have blacked out more times than I can tell you. And that is just sad to think about, that there are memories that I will never be able to access because of how fucking drunk I was. I am now also able to recognize alcohol as the drug that it is, because let's be very clear here and honest with ourselves, alcohol is a drug, it is the only drug that is labeled as fine. God forbid we take a little bit of psychedelics to open up our mind a little bit and, you know, maybe tap into a little more creativity, but we'll save that conversation for another time. But, you know, alcohol, it's fine. Have your drinks, take your shots. We're going to advertise it all over the place and it's okay. Everything's good. You know, as long as you don't steal someone's backpack that had their laptop in it. So yeah, no, I see alcohol now as a drug and In the future, if I choose to engage in drinking, I know that I will be able to recognize it as such. Now, I have drank since, 
coming to this realization. I have gotten drunk once. It was my best friend's wedding. I was the maid of honor and we had ourselves a night and I do not regret it in the slightest because I made that choice going into it. Okay. I looked at it. I said, alcohol is a drug. I want to enjoy the effects of alcohol and what it's going to do to me and my group of friends tonight. And we're going to get crazy and we're going to have fun and we're going to, you know, dancing at the reception. And then we got a party bus and then we went to the club and we got a table and we got bottle service and we had ourselves a night. Felt absolutely terrible the next day, but it was worth it because of how much fun we had. And it's not something that I was doing all the time. This is not my norm anymore. Right. So it's, it's a choice that I will make. I have absolutely no idea when I will make that choice again, probably another wedding or something along those lines, like a very special occasion. This is not my norm anymore. This is not how I want to live. It's not something that I really want to be a, a part of my life. And I'm so grateful that I finally figured it out. Like I said, this has been something that I have been trying to, to figure out for 10 years wondering why the fuck I keep doing this and, and for what when I didn't even want to. And I finally figured out why for myself. So for anyone that's listening, I, you know, I hope that for anyone who is struggling with similar issues that maybe this clicks for you. And I'm very grateful that I was able to get there by myself, that that is a connection and realization that I was able to, to access on my own with the help of certain events unfolding that made me think about my life in general. Life can be like that sometimes, you know? Bad things happen and good things come out of it, truly. And uh, and yeah, so anyways, thank you guys for listening to me ramble. This was uh, much longer than I had planned. But uh, yeah, tune in next week, next Friday. I interviewed my beautiful friend, Chase Andrzejewski. And uh, yeah, we had a really fun fun conversation that will most likely be broken up into two parts because we went off for hours. But thank you guys again. I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, If you feel so inclined, please share, like, comment, subscribe, anything that you'd like to do and to support me in this. I would be forever grateful. All right. So we'll talk soon. Bye.